0: Thank you for listening to the following sermon from Pine Grove Community Church in Rylander, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit us at pinegrove-wi.com. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Good morning. Really was a great joy and pleasure to be with the men. At the men's conference, the men's, uh, advance, not retreat. So, but it's interesting because I look out on the, on the congregation this morning and I see a lot more men than there were there, especially young guys. So my church is filled with, um, men in their twenties and thirties, lots and lots of young families. And, uh, I know how, you know, and I've been there as well. And I know how, uh, busy and, and, and complicated life can be at that stage. So just want to give a word of encouragement to you, uh, younger men who weren't at the conference, at the retreat, the advance, whatever it is. It's really, in in your time of life that you need focused fellowship and instruction the most you've got young marriages you know you're just trying to figure things out young children I know that feels like you don't have time for these kinds of things but trust me uh, you need it you need it very much I know I did, and I I think you do too. So um, Pastor Jeremy did not in any way ask me to say that. I'm leaving town this afternoon. But just remember that in a year, all right? Let me pray before we jump in. Father, would you please be with us now as we open your word, and we pray that it would be to us, what it really is, the Word of God, and not the Word of men. And I pray that you would uh, strengthen us, encourage us, uh, rebuke us where we need to be rebuked, comfort us, give us everything we need, Lord, for life and godliness. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So, many of us think, that we know what the love of God should look like. If you really loved me, God, you would not have allowed my child to die. If you really loved me, God, you would have not let that man sin against me. If you really loved me, God, you would have given me a better father. If you really loved me, God, you would not have allowed that to happen. Brothers and sisters, the unbelief and the pride in that way of thinking is staggering. Who do we think we are? Who do you think you are? Standing in judgment of God. God. You know what love is? You can define what love is. You have more wisdom than God. You have more compassion than God. Scripture says we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. It says God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God has already told you what his love looks like. He's already shown you what his love looks like. It looks like him killing his only spotless son on your behalf. That's what his love looks like. But you say, no, that isn't enough. What would really prove your love for me is if you gave me what I want what I demand. And that is is horrific. Because in thinking that, we spit in the face of the Son of God. Yes, how nice, how nice, how quaint, how sweet, how cute that you would give your Son for me. That's nice. Now, give me what I really want. Give me what is really important. Show me what is really love. You don't know what you're doing, God. Here, let me help you understand the depths of love. Give me a good husband. Give me a good wife. Give me good children. Give me a healthy body. Give me a happy home. Give me a world where there are no wicked people who do bad things to me give me a good job. Come on, God, give me what I want. And then maybe I'll agree that you've loved me. Can you hear yourself in that rant? (laughs) Listen, I know I can. What could possibly be more wicked than that? This is to trample underfoot the Son of God. Because it says, Jesus, you're not really what I need. What I really need is my career. What I really need is my happiness in this world. Whatever. Jesus, if you can be a means to that end, well, fine. I will use you. But if you won't give me what I want, then I've had enough of you. But here's the truth truth is that God knows what love looks like. He knows what love is. God is love. God knows that love does not shield people from suffering. Love does not shield us from suffering. Sometimes, love brings suffering. Sometimes, love brings suffering, because it's infinitely better to suffer and to see the glory of God, the satisfying glory of God through that suffering, than it is to not suffer and to be robbed of the vision of the glory of God. This is what the Bible teaches. So look with me at John chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 1 to 44. Uh, I'm reading from the New American Standard. I think some of you are using the ESV. They're very close, especially where it counts. (laughs) So let's read. This is God's Word. It is eternally true. John 11, verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, And Lazarus. So, when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. And the disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the son of God, even he who comes into the world. And when she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying, secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, She saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, See how he loved him. But Some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you? that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And so they removed the stone. And Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And The man who had died came forth. Bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. So one little word, one little word can shatter your life. Look at verses 5 and 6. Verse 5 Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Right? Verse 6, so, so, when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. You see what this says? Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, what would you expect the next word to be? How about but? How about yet? How about? However, right, it's it's like he loved them, but Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, but in contrast to that, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that he was sick, he stayed. He loved them, yet. Or however, he, when he heard, he stayed. Is that what it says? Well, some of our Bibles actually do say that. Some of our translations. If you're using the NIV, I don't know if any of you have an NIV, but here's what the NIV says here, the New International Version. It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet... When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where he was two more days. But what does this say? So. He loved them. So, he stayed. One little word. So, instead of yet. Do you see this? The implications of this are earth-shattering, really. Which version of reality do you prefer? (laughs) Which one do you cling to? Think about it. Jesus loves me, yet, even though he loves me, I don't understand it, I don't like it, I can't possibly make these things go together in my mind, Jesus loves me, yet, in spite of that, he brings me suffering. You see what I'm saying? Or, Jesus loves me, so, therefore, because he loves me. I don't fully understand it. I don't necessarily like it. I can't always see how these things go together. But Jesus loves me, and so, he brings suffering. Two totally different views of life. Two totally different views of the world. Two totally different views of God. Two totally different views of Jesus. Certainly two totally different views of suffering. The implications are endless. If you expect the love of God for you to mean that you will not have suffering here in this life, then, then you'll interpret everything through that lens. If you think that the love of God means no suffering, then you'll interpret everything through that lens. You will experience suffering. You will have pain and sorrow. You will be sinned against. The only thing you'll be able to conclude in the face of all of that is that God does not love you. And then where do you go? Where do you go from there? If suffering is the sign that God does not love you, where do you go from there? You thumb your nose in God's face and run away from Him. But if you know that the love of God for you, that the love of God for you means that God will, in fact, bring suffering into your life, not in spite of his love, but because of his love, then you'll interpret everything through that lens. You'll experience suffering. You'll have pain and sorrow. You'll be sinned against, of course, but you'll run to Jesus Christ when it happens, not away from him in the midst of your suffering, because of your suffering. You'll see him for who he is, for what he is. You'll trust him. You'll worship him. You'll love him. What Jesus says in this passage proves that what I'm saying to you is true. When Jesus first hears that Lazarus is sick, right? He says in verse 4, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God. For the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. And then he says in verse 11, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. And the disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. (laughs) They're just full of medical advice for the Son of God. All right. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And what? I am glad. You see that? I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. So that you may believe. Jesus sees the end, right? He sees the end. He sees the purpose of this suffering. And he delays, right, on purpose. Not in spite of his love, but because of his love. And he even goes so far as to say, I'm glad that I was not there. That's That's just amazing. I'm glad that I wasn't there to save our friend what in the world is going on here? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. (laughs) Jesus is loving his friends. He really is loving his friends. He is loving his friends. He knows that the one thing they need most from him is not Comfort and ease and freedom from intense and real pain and suffering. That's not actually what they need. The one thing they need is to see the glory of God. That's what they really need to see. And they will see the glory of God, how? Only in the midst of and on the backdrop of blackness and suffering and pain. Verse 17 goes on. Look at verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Now, think about this. I've always wondered how Martha said that how what was what was the tone? What was the intonation? How did she say it? All we have is the words: Was she broken and humble, or was this an an accusation? You know what I'm saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's one way or Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. (laughs) You hear the difference? Same words. How would you have said it? How would you have said it? Jesus goes on in verse 23. Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again on the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's a good question. Do you believe this? Do you really believe this? If you did, how would it change your life right now? Do you see this just as some kind of pie-in-the-sky, by-and-by, kind of too heavenly-minded for earthly good kind of thing? You know? Do you really believe this? Verse 27. Martha said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And when she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and what? What would she do? She fell at his feet. That is worship. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Mary says that, it's the exact same words that her sister said, But when Mary says it, it seems to me to be humility and brokenness. There's no, there no bitterness in this. There's no accusation. She falls at Jesus' feet. She isn't standing above him, right? Accusing him, judging him, telling him what he should have done if he really loved them. With Mary, it seems to me like genuine humility and worship. Look how, look how Jesus responds, verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, See how he loved him. Listen, here is the beauty of our Lord Jesus. Right here. He loves them, right? So, he delays. He has the power to keep Lazarus from dying, but he what? What does he do? He lets him die. He has the power to prevent Martha and Mary from going through this intense, deep pain of losing their brother, seeing him die. He has the power to prevent it, and yet, what does he say? He's glad that he isn't there to save him. He's glad that he isn't there to save him, but he is deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he weeps. He loves them. So he stays and lets Lazarus die. He loves them. So he weeps. His tears are not fake tears. He's not putting on a show for anybody. He is broken at Lazarus' tomb. This is the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ. He sees the big picture. Right? He sees the glory, he sees the resurrection, he sees the redemption, he sees death crushed under his own feet. He knows what's going to happen. But at the same time, he is deeply troubled and he weeps real tears. He's not a cold, hard God. He's not a stoic who's indifferent to your suffering. Do you hear me? He is not a stoic who is indifferent to your suffering. Don't ever think that. He's not a sadist who enjoys making people suffer. That's not what's going on. When he stands in front of Lazarus' tomb, he weeps. He hates the sin. He hates what sin has done to this world. He hates death and the pain that death brings. He really hates it. He hates the sadness of Mary and Martha as they mourn the death of their brother. He hates the pain that you suffered when your mother died. When you lost the baby. When that man sinned against you when your husband left you, when your father left you, when when the cancer came, when your family was destroyed, he hates it. He really, really does hate it. He's not pretending to hate it. He's not pretending to be deeply moved and troubled. These aren't pretend tears. He knows the pain that you have suffered because He has suffered it too. But, but, he sees more than just the suffering. He sees glory. Glory. He sees his own glory. Right? The Son of Man will be glorified in this. He sees his own glory. And you know what else he sees? This is what makes him glad. He sees you seeing his glory. And he is glad. Glad for who? He says, I'm glad for your sake. Why? Because he loves his people. He knows that the most loving thing he can do is to show you his glory. That's not just some pious, pietistic platitude. It's true. The most loving thing he can do for you is for you to see his glory. Because when you see your, when you see his glory, you will be satisfied. It's what you were made for. Tell me, what would be better for you? What would really be better for you? To have ease and comfort all of your life, to be sheltered from pain all of your life, and not know the strong arm of God holding you, comforting you in the midst of your pain. Would you take that? Ease and comfort all of your life, but you don't know God? or to have sorrow and suffering and pain in this life, but to know that God is glorious. God is faithful. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is powerful to save. He is a mighty fortress to run into, and you're safe. He's your comforter. He's your strength. Filled with tenderness and compassion. He draws near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's what the Bible says. You want a life where you're never brokenhearted, where you're never crushed in spirit, and so you will not ever know the Lord drawing near to you, saving you, comforting you. You really want that life. You don't. He is glorious. And he loves you too much to let any of us miss any of that. Verse 37. Someone says something that everybody's been thinking. You see this? Verse 37. Some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? What's going on? The answer is yes, of course he could have, (laughs) but he had something better in mind. So verse 38, so Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it, and Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. And then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth bound hand and foot with wrappings and his face was wrapped around with a cloth and Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. If you believe you will see the glory of God. That's what Jesus said. If you don't believe you won't see the glory of God. You won't be able to see the glory of God because you will be wrapped up, curved in on yourself. You won't be able to see it. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. It may not be like this, right? It may not be a a man raised from the dead. But you will see the glory of God if you believe. If you trust him, He knows what he's doing. He knows what's good for you. Have you ever said, I know you have. I know I have. Have you ever said, I don't need this today. Really, you know what you need. (laughs) God knows what you need. I don't mean that to be flippant at all. He knows what you need. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you don't believe, you won't see it. And this glory will free you. Jesus will say what he said about Lazarus. Unbind him and let him go. Unbind him. Unbind her and let her go, because you will be free, unbound from bitterness. Bitterness is a chain. You'll be free. Unbind him. Let him go. Unbound from the bitterness and the fear and the anger towards God that you've been trying to live with, and instead, (laughs) you will see your pain as a gift from God. A window into glory. That glory will give you joy and freedom and life. Why would you want anything else? Why would you want anything else? Turn to Jesus Christ. Believe that he has in fact loved you. Stop telling him how to love you. He knows exactly how to love you. Stop telling him how. And embrace the love that he has poured out on you. It's better than anything you could possibly think up. Seriously. It's better than anything we could possibly think up. It's more satisfying than anything you could ever demand of him. You have to believe in order to see the glory. Believe that he is good. Believe that he loves you. He has shown you his love by sending his son. Jesus himself has shown you his love by dying for you. Greater love. There's no greater love than this than that a man lays down his life for his friends. That's what he's done for you. We have no right to doubt the love of God. It's glorious. He is satisfying. You'll never see it. You'll never be satisfied if you spend your life shaking your fist in his face, telling him what he should have done. Do you want to be free from your bitterness? This is the way. let's pray together. Father, we confess to you our sin of 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 doubt of unbelief, of really pride, thinking we know better than you, and Father, we know we can't see everything and we don't have the view that you have and we don't understand how this all fits together, but we certainly know you love us. How could we possibly doubt it? You love us. so Father, I pray that we would trust you. Show us the glory of God. Show us your glory. The glory of our Lord Jesus the kindness, the compassion, the tenderness, the power, the faithfulness. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.